1: This is I Doubt It with Dollamore, with hosts Jesse Dollamore and Brittany Page, a podcast dedicated to free-thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, but most importantly, a good time. All right. Let's get this thing going. It is December 21st/slash 22nd, depending on when you're listening to it. The year of your Lord, certainly not mine, 2014. I am your host, Jesse Dollamore, and sitting across from me, eager and willing and ready to participate, is my lovely, kind-hearted co-host, Brittany Page.
2: Well, now that I don't have any classwork to worry about, yeah, you're... I'm definitely more <laughs> eager and relaxed. Your... I've also been sleeping for 12 hours a day.
1: Your mood is greatly, greatly enhanced by lack of grad school, although your stress levels still maintain mm-hmm. because you've got a couple of professors who are not getting their proverbial shit together and posting your grades.
2: Right, right. For instance, my statistics professor, which is the one I'm most stressed about, because it's the one I struggled the most in.
1: I only laugh because it's funny because it's true.
2: Right, and <laughs> I took that. I finished that final. I guess I, I should say on Tuesday at 11:20 a.m.
1: You're down. You've got this down to the to the minute.
2: Right. That is when I completed, and there is still not a grade posted.
1: It seems to be symptomatic of just academia in general, does it not? That they're just, they don't want to post the, it's like, oh, I've, I've, I'm done with all that. Now I can kind of relax. So they're, you know, they're fat and happy now and procrastinating the actual grading of what needs to be graded.
2: Well, I had one professor that, that got it done and it was essays, just nonstop essays that I spent an hour and a half writing for my final.
1: How, and she like graded
2: it. Yes.
1: How, what are you, Lou Ferrigno, with a giant, awesome mechanical? I guess he doesn't know mechanical hand, but I couldn't write for an hour and a half. I yeah, it was hard. That would be yeah
2: yeah. My other final on Thursday, I had to write for two hours, and wow. I was writing until the very last minute.
1: Mm-hmm. You're, do you have one of those uh, those squeezy things that, like back in the eighties, dudes who worked out would? you know the no. with the spring on them and they would uh, oh, I know uh, what you're talking about. Yeah, I don't yeah. no,
2: and I didn't have a stress ball either. I would just shake my hand out every every like 20 minutes. <laughs>
1: every 20 minutes?
2: Yeah, cuz it would cramp up.
1: My arm would fall off after 2 hours of writing. It's it's difficult. Thank God for typing. And I'm not even good at that.
2: Yeah, I just feel bad that they have to read my handwriting because it's terrible oh, anyway. Yeah.
1: You you do have childlike Everybody always talks about wanting childlike characteristics. That That is not a characteristic that, that people should want because your handwriting is off the charts terrible. It, it might is. be the worst handwriting I've ever seen, especially <laughs> of a female.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. I can't argue with you. It's it, terrible. It's, I'm embarrassed by it. I don't like people to look at it.
1: To call it chicken scratch mm-hmm. is is not to do it justice. Mm-hmm. It's as though you're writing in some kind of Chinese or characters
2: yeah I get embarrassed to like send people birthday cards you should get embarrassed or Christmas cards I know it's terrible but I was never one of those girls who practiced my handwriting in elementary school and I should have been they
1: make you practice your penmanship and shit yeah I just did it
2: until I had to do it I didn't develop like a stylized way to write and a lot of girls did I would watch them like doodle and they would create their own font and that's and that's how they like have you know write the rest of their life. Wow! And I never I never bo- bothered with that.
1: I I on the other hand have decent handwriting.
2: You have great handwriting.
1: It's block. just like a
2: lady's handwriting. It is
1: not like a lady's. handwriting. It is
2: very much like a lady's handwriting. It is
1: block print capital letters like
2: a lady. Not
1: like no lady t- yeah, writes yeah, yeah, yeah. like me.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's very clean, neat, feminine. This is
1: bullshit right now. I'll tell you that. Wow, it's how are those headphones treating you? They just fell off. I know. <laughs> it's I'm I think laughing. everyone heard.
2: Oh, sorry <laughs> about that.
1: So, um we're going to do a little bit of a follow-up. The last few episodes, I have tortured the audience.
2: Don't play it. Oh my god.
1: I have tortured the audience. Shut up. Everyone
2: a... <laughs> has been complaining.
1: I know they're complaining. <laughs> I I've, I've been playing this. I'll turn it down a little bit. So I've been playing this, and I got to thinking of other songs that would be torturous to play for hours and hours on end. All right, I'll turn it off, Brittany.
2: Because it's because this is following up on the CIA torture report, right. well, And this is one of the songs that they played to torture <laughs> the detainees.
1: They would play this for like twenty-four hours a day, blasting into. Suspected terrorists' ears. Right. And it, I believe, <laughs> is probably very effective. So I got to thinking, what other tunes, what other songs could there be out there that would have a similar effect? And it's not just songs that are aggravating. I guess I, I looked at this from the perspective of songs that just get stuck in your head where. Even if you hate the song, you'll catch yourself humming it or singing it right. and like ah, and you want to hit yourself like stop it. Ah. Right. And you curse the person who put it into your head.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Like people have been doing with you for the meow mix.
1: Yeah, people aren't happy. Mm-hmm. People are not happy. Meow
2: meow meow meow. Anyway. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, we're going to get on with it. We're going to get on with it. Here we go. I picked these are not necessarily the top 8 but I did put them in order of aggravation, mm. I guess
2: oh great, yeah. so we have eight to look forward to, that's right, knowing eight is the worst
1: eight, that the the eighth one that I play is actually number one, okay. the number one worst one, okay, and the reason I'm leaving the 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 final one, the worst one is because that's the one I want everyone to have to have stuck oh. in their head, perfect, the whole week leading up to mm. Christmas. So really it's my Christmas present to the audience.
2: Oh, you're so kind.
1: Hey. It's Jesus' birthday. It's the least I can do. It is. So with without further ado, number eight.
2: Oh, I love this song.
1: <laughs> yeah, but can you imagine twenty four hours of this?
2: Yeah, that'd be fine. No, I was dancing the entire time.
1: Yeah, you're sh- shaking it. You're, you're, you What you need to do is be careful that your headphones don't come flying off again.
2: They're back on there, real good this time. No worries.
1: Well, they're over your hair, which I'm sure is is slippery. You know, it's <laughs> soft and luxurious, like a like a Pantene commercial.
2: Yeah, it's over my hair. That sounds weird, but they hurt my ears, so I like the the hair to buffer
1: it. No, anyway, that sounds like pussy shit. So. <laughs> So the second one. So let's talk about that. The 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 Karma Chameleon mm-hmm. by Boy George, or more, the Culture Club. More accurately, you're right. The Culture Club. I remember this when I was a kid. I'm a little older than you, but I remember walking to school. I had like a like a half a mile walk to school, and I lived in this very tiny, small like I, when I say town, I mean less than a thousand people in this little town in northern Idaho, and. up in the mountain mountains where it was i mean there were days where it's like 10 20 below zero super cold no thanks this song kept me company
2: (laughs) (laughs) did it make you feel warm because it sounds kind of
1: no i was tropical i I think i always knew that's not a song i should uh, announce that i like because boy george even at the time was such a weirdo
2: no that's too bad
1: well when you're a little kid you know
2: it's weird that you picked up on that
1: that that he w- it was androgynous and that that, that kind of weirded me out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's what it is. I was. <laughs> it was. Look, I grew up in a super conservative Christian household, and I was a little kid, so that's that's what I got, and it didn't torture me. It was like a guilty pleasure.
2: <laughs> right. Well, it's a great song. Right. Even today, it's a great song. But
1: can you imagine it twenty four hours a day on you know level eleven of volume? that would drive, that would especially if you're from islamabad
2: <laughs> right well if i wasn't me i think it would be a problem but i could dance to that song for hours
1: all right well how about this one 24 hours on blast
2: oh my god no no one likes this song <laughs> Ugh, it's so terrible. It's like Aqua Net or something, isn't it?
1: Aqua. That's my favorite part. Come on, Barbie, let's go party. Oh wait,
2: Aqu- ah, ah, ah. <laughs> Aqua Net is hairspray. Right, I got confused. Right, yeah. Never mind.
1: So that I think by any standard, that is terrible.
2: Okay. Yeah, I loved that song when I was younger.
1: When was this out? Like uh, ninety nine, two thousand? I don't know. Probably I think that, that sounds, sounds right. about right. Yeah.
2: And it is horrible horrible i i can't even believe it was a popular
1: song in doing the research for this segment and yeah i you <laughs> i tortured myself by listening to lots and lots of shitty songs there's all kinds of weird like european electronica that was supposed to be music that would be of this ilk that i had never heard of so they didn't they weren't guilty pleasures or stuck in my head.
2: Well, you know, some of our listeners may like this song because apparently they are a Danish-Norwegian dance-pop group. That's what I mean. I just Googled it, and the song came out in
1: 1997. So, for our listeners in, we do have a, we have a verified listener in Denmark um, He loves
2: to s in your mouth <laughs> yeah, at he, times. He's not
1: a fan of Jesse or his politics, but he, he seems to really dig on Britney, so that's good. I wonder what uh, if this was like a number one hit
2: <laughs> in that country. Right,
1: right. All right. Well, moving on. This uh, was a, a distinctly American hit. I don't know if it made the worldwide charts, but it will live in infamy forever. And here it is.
3: Oh <laughs>
2: Why was that a song? I
1: don't know, but I feel like I just got waterboarded right now.
2: <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> that song's for sure in my head. How could it not be with the woofing? Uh,
1: it's that's terrible. It, but that is another one that if if I left it there, the majority of our listeners would go on throughout their day with this in their head. Oh! That's terrible.
2: Yeah, and of course, this is by the Baja Men.
1: Baja Men, yep.
2: And it came out in 2000. 2000? Yes. I thought
1: it was earlier than that.
2: No, 2000.
1: Huh. I wonder what I'm thinking of. Because when I was in the Marine Corps...
2: Jesse was a Marine, everybody. It's true,
1: it's true. Um, I, there was a song similar to this that I remember being out. I'll have hmm. to think about that.
2: Yeah, hopefully it's not on this list. It, it
1: is not on the list. Okay. Uh, I just gave it away. So, anyway, uh, number, number five, like, would that be five? One, two, three, four, five. Number five. Oh, yeah, because I'm counting down. Number five. I don't know how this got produced. This is trash. This is crap. And you're lucky that I didn't put this as number one because this would definitely be in your head and cause you to torture your coworkers today.
2: Yeah. You're ruining the song.
1: Oh, sorry. Wow.
2: That's kind of a good song. Hanson. Yeah.
1: For a long time, I thought it was a girl group.
2: Well, they were young boys.
1: Another androgynous type of situation. They
2: were very young, young boys. They were.
1: And the video, by the way, because I had to suffer through that, is terrible.
2: You didn't have to watch the whole thing, but apparently you did. So we just caught you (laughs) in a lie here. You really watched the whole thing and you liked it. No, I didn't
1: watch the whole thing, but I I watched it enough to note that it is goofy Mm. and Mm -hmm. stupid. Yes. And torturous.
2: Right. No one believes you.
1: All right. Closet Number- Hanson fan. <laughs> Number four.
4: Everyone
2: loves this song.
1: Not for 24 hours they don't.
2: No, this is for sure
3: annoying.
1: Most recently, that has been in the... In the the stratosphere of pop culture uh, by way of Seth MacFarlane and Family Guy. Right. I think they did multiple episodes, but it's kind of a recurring joke with him and his albums and doing the Bird is the Word song. Right. Peter Griffin. Yeah. Peter Griffin. Singing it. Yeah. Yeah. I think everybody knows Family Guy that it's Peter Griffin. Yeah. It's...
2: Well, some people may be like me and not huge fans of Family Guy.
1: May not be not huge fans you're, I, I think that's a stretch. You, you go out of your way to not watch Family Guy.
2: Um, I, don't, I don't know if that's true. I just When's prefer last, not to watch what's it. What's the
1: last episode you, you watched?
2: Um, <laughs> it has been years because I right. have preferred not to watch it for years.
1: <laughs> so you go out of your way because you can't say it's never on and you never have an opportunity to watch it because I watched the show. Mhm. You see what I'm saying? Yes. Oh. Okay,
2: I just don't want to say that I hate it because I don't hate it. There are times I think it's funny. It just gets a little old.
1: All right. Number 3, more modern and this song drives me goddamn crazy.
3: Yes.
1: Okay, so I
2: love this song because the postmodern jukebox, right? Yeah. Is that the name of the band? Yeah. yeah. They covered this song and they cover lots of modern songs, but with a throwback to different eras. Kind of a
1: jazz. Right. They got the upright bass and. Right. Yeah. And
2: they did a cover of this song and it is amazing. And it gets the song stuck in your head and you start to just like the song when they're singing it. And then when you hear Taylor Swift, it's not that bad because you think back on them singing it and you kind of like get into the groove.
1: You were able to find yourself appreciating it when the arrangement was good and you don't have to watch her be Taylor Swift.
2: Right. Exactly what I'm saying. But it is very catchy. And how could you not? I mean, it's so catchy.
1: I watched an interview recently with Steve Carell. Right. And they asked him and he sang it. And then when they started to make fun of him, he 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 said, no, I'm serious. I really like Taylor Swift. <laughs> but listening to him sing because the haters going to hate, 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 hate. Right. Hate, right. And the players going to play, play, play. They
2: are. Mm-hmm.
1: Shake it off. Yeah. Shake it off. Yeah. That right there would make a terrorist want to knife himself in his own temple. (laughs) Seriously.
2: Probably, yes. (laughs) Yes, that is true.
1: All right, we're coming up on the top two, and I have to start apologizing now because either one of these would make you want to jump off a bridge.
3: Oh, my God.
1: More commonly known as being Rick Rolled. Right. And between the number one and number two, I almost made the Rick Astley the number one because it's so so popular to, oh, check out this link. This is a great thing. And then you click on it, and it's Rick Astley, and then it's commonly referred to as being Rick Rolled. Right. So it almost made the number one spot. It didn't. Rick Astley had like three, maybe four, like number one smash hits in the late 80s early 90s
2: yeah well i think that's a great song
1: this is another one where the video is just him this goofy nerdy little white guy british guy like shimmying back and forth i mean it's
2: well videos were not good back then you should watch any hall and oates video and they're terrible
1: that is when videos were in their prime is in the late 80s no Yes, they didn't last much longer after that. They don't even have music videos anymore of of note. Yes, they do. Not that there's no video channels. How do you go watch a music video? YouTube?
2: No, they have music video countdowns on VH1 still. They're just not on all day.
1: (laughs) So you won't watch Family Guy, but you're watching music videos of T-Swift? No, I
2: don't watch them. I just know they exist. Now
1: everyone does know the truth. (laughs) Everyone.
2: Well, at least I don't secretly watch Hanson videos on every time.
1: That is true. That is true. So, we're down to to number one.
2: I'm scared. I'm afraid.
1: I'm a little afraid too, because I'm not sure what the reaction is. We might lose hundreds of listeners just based on this bit alone, because this is going to ruin your day, possibly your week, and hopefully not your entire Christmas holiday. So, without further ado...
3: Oh my God.
2: What?
1: Uh, I should have. I pre-programmed. I took snippets from the songs because I don't want to play the whole song. <laughs> and I only left like, you know, between 10 and 16 seconds of each one. So I should have. I should have <laughs> left lot more of that song because that that I'm seriously that is a that is a weapon.
2: Yeah. That That's would, an audio weapon. That would be a great one for the CIA to use. Take note, CIA. You
1: wouldn't even have to like hang someone up by their by their upside down or put them in a stress position. They could be sitting comfortably in a lazy boy with a beer and a pizza. And you play that song for, for 15 minutes and someone wants to poke their, their, their eyes out.
2: You know, what would be funny, though, <laughs> is if one of the detainees really loved it and seriously was just getting down to it, like every, dancing.
1: Every time the interrogators come in, he starts like, party and party and
2: what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing. And uh, I hope there would be video of it as
1: well. That would take immense discipline. Can you imagine <laughs> Khalid Sheikh Mohammed just getting down? <laughs> Friday,
2: Friday. <laughs> oh, God. Oh,
1: wow. We're going to hell.
2: <laughs> Sorry, everybody.
1: So what other ones, audience? I'd like to know. Th- listen, there were many, many others that I could have gone with, and I decided to land on these. But these are by no means are, are the top, top eight. Although I think that my top one and two are pretty solid.
2: Yeah, I think you did a good job there. For
1: for being evil.
2: Yeah. You left out one, but that's okay.
1: What one would that be?
2: Life is a Highway by Tom Cochran.
3: Life is a highway.
2: And I would like to note that we heard that song the other day. This is what reminded me of it. And I said... I said... For
1: you new listeners, that is the sound (laughs) of Britney tooting her own horn. Are you ready for it? No, I'm
2: getting ready to. It hasn't happened yet.
1: I know. Should I put the drum roll on for you to get ready to toot your own horn? no. Here we go.
2: So, (laughs) that puts me in a very awkward position to continue telling my story. So, the song was playing. (laughs) And I said, who sings this? I know. I was like, the only name I can think in my head is Tom Cochran. That's all I can think.
1: A name which I'd never heard.
2: And so Jesse looked it up. And of course it is the Canadian Tom Cochran.
1: Of course it is, she says.
2: And like I said, folks. Well, I don't think people know this about me, that I am the human Shazam app.
1: It's well, not not to the extent of everything. But certainly certainly the seventies. Uh-huh. Disco. hmm Um, the Marvin Gaye era, that kind of stuff. hmm But not well, actually you're if there was a game show and actually someone needs if someone knows of a game show that's like jeopardy for naming artist and 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 song, Brittany would uh probably cut you into the profits on that because she would be a she would be the Ken Jennings mm-hmm. of that game. And if yes. you're a, if you're a Jeopardy fan, Ken Jennings is the winningest contestant on the, the game show Jeopardy, Gile- uh, <laughs> on the game show Jeopardy, and Britney would rival that kind of winning streak because she's a freak. Mm-hmm. Freak of nature. This is that true. Kind of stuff. True. So that's it. Let's move on. According, this just happened. Instagram just, uh, this isn't a topic we talk about all the time, nor are we going to spend any time on this. But recently, Instagram kind of redid their numbers and their following and followers and all that, and they deleted accounts that were spam or fake or whatever, and a lot of celebrities lost a lot of followers. In recent episodes, we talked about Donald Trump trying to legitimize his, his, uh, his option and, uh, uh, or his option of running for president because of the fact that he has 2.7 million Twitter followers. So according to, to Donald Trump math, the more social networking followers you have, the more legitimate your run for public office would be.
2: <laughs> so you made the comment that Justin Bieber...
1: Right. Has like 56 million Twitter followers.
2: Right. So he would be the ideal president.
1: Right. Right. If, if he was an American. Right. Thank God he is not an American. It's the, one of the one, most large, catastrophic tragedies that Canada has forced upon, hoisted upon the United States, is Justin Bieber. But he, in in the whole restructuring of Instagram, he lost 3 million followers, so he's less qualified to hold public office today than he was a few days ago.
2: Right. So sorry, Donald Trump. I mean, I guess you're welcome.
1: Because he has less competition. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, I mean, it, like I said, it would be president. It would be prime minister of Canada, which... Let's who, face who cares it, about that? Yeah, it's like mayor of Toledo.
2: Yeah, no one cares. <laughs> I mean, sorry, Canadian listeners, but...
1: Right. This isn't necessarily a follow-up, but we have talked in previous episodes about a man I consider a charlatan, Dr. Mehmet Oz, the the man who... Oprah Winfrey made famous and gave a TV show to Um, a recent article, some research, some doctors compiled data and they came to the conclusion that 54 percent of the claims that he makes on his TV show are either baseless or outright wrong.
2: Right. This research was published in the British Medical Journal. And it is titled, Televised Medical Talk Shows, What They Recommend and the Evidence to Support Their Recommendations, A Prospective Observational Study.
1: That's the name of the study?
2: Yeah, so just in case anyone wants to go look at it, I don't know. So what they did was select 40 episodes of each The Dr. Oz Show and The Doctors. At random. Yes. And The Doctors is, of course, another daytime talk show with like four doctors on a panel and they discuss whatever topics
1: isn't the doctors one where they all look like they just got pulled out of a Abercrombie and fitch catalog yes they're
2: all very attractive Yeah, right well the main guy is i don't i can only think of the main guy and he yes looks like a well
1: i just every time i've passed by that show while watching scanning channels on tv i think to myself i've never had a doctor that looked like any one of these people
2: I have, but we'll get to that later. <laughs> so, wow, for the Doctor Oz show, the episodes that they selected, they randomly selected, they evaluated all of the recommendations that Doctor Oz gave and that the doctors gave during the shows, and they came up with 160 recommendations, 80 from each show, and they evaluated the accuracy of these recommendations. Right. So, for the Dr. Oz show, evidence supported 46% of his recommendations. Mm, Okay. Evidence contradicted 15%.
1: Just outright contradicted.
2: Right. Of his recommendations. And then evidence was not found for 39% of his recommendations.
1: That's a lot.
2: So, the majority together contradicting and not finding evidence for was the majority. And that's a problem for a doctor on a show.
1: Right, who's who's putting himself out there as an expert who has millions of of viewers and who is well respected by those viewers who just happen to not be skeptical enough of of his claims.
2: Right. And for the doctors, should we give the doctors breakdown?
1: Um I do not care about them, but yeah, sure.
2: Evidence support. Well, I mean
1: someone may.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Evidence supported 63% of their recommendations, so that's good. Yeah. Contradicted 14%, not great, and was not found for 24%, so still not great.
1: Still not great, but better than Dr. Oz.
2: Right. So the overall recommendations, I guess, that they gave after doing this study... They say anyone who followed the advice provided would be doing so on the basis of a trust in the host or guest rather than through a balanced examination of benefits, harms and costs. The near absence of potential conflict of interest reporting further challenges viewers ability to balance the information provided because they also found that both the doctors and the Dr. Oz show never talk about possible conflicts of interest with the recommendations that they're giving.
1: Right. Like what what kickback they're getting from whatever company they're promoting or whatever. Right.
2: Exactly. So the overall results, the author's
1: It's the food babe problem that we have.
2: Right. So the study authors suggest, quote, consumers should be skeptical of any recommendations provided on television, medical talk shows, as details are limited and only a third to one half of recommendations are based on believable or somewhat believable evidence. Right. So be skeptical is the main thing they say. Always
1: be skeptical. Be skeptical of what we're telling you right now. To live a life of skepticism is not a bad thing. It doesn't put you in this category of of, oh, he's just negative or he's that's not what it is. It's just you want to challenge the evidence that's been provided you. Make sure that you can back it up. Make sure it's verifiable. Don't take claims from addictinginfo.com or hightimes.com or motherjones.com
2: or collectiveevolution.com. Yeah,
1: none of those are credible sources. Yeah. If they were, they would have outside links, citations for the information they're giving you.
2: Right. And in this article, they kind of S on all TV doctors. Good. No, which is not okay with me. Well,
1: which ones are good? Dr. Drew. He's not there giving medical advice, though.
2: He is on Loveline. And he gives good medical advice on Loveline. So I guess he's not on TV doing it. I guess it is different. but He's not
1: a TV doctor. He's a radio host. Right. And he's also a practicing internal medicine doctor, like Dr. Oz is, a heart surgeon. But listen, Dr. Oz has more problems than just our humble show here taking a dump on him. He was recently sitting before a Senate committee and got blasted by... Uh, Missouri Democratic Senator Claire McCaskill
0: um, I understand that you give a lot of information that's great information about health and you do it in a way that's easily understandable you're very talented you're obviously very bright you've been trained in science-based medicine now here's three statements you made on your show You may think magic is make-believe, but this little bean has scientists saying they found the magic weight-loss cure for every body type. It's green coffee extract. Quote, I've got the number one miracle in a bottle to burn your fat. It's raspberry ketone. Quote, Garcinia cambogia. It may be the simple solution you've been looking for to bust your body fat for good. I don't get why you need to say this stuff because you know it's not true. So why, when you have this amazing megaphone and this amazing ability to communicate, why would you cheapen your show?
3: Just with
4: regards to whether they work or not, take green coffee bean extract as an example. Uh, I'm not gonna argue that it would pass FDA muster if it was a pharmaceutical drug seeking approval, but it- Among the natural products that are out there, this is a product that has several clinical trials, there was one large one, a very good quality one that was done the year that we talked about this in 2012. Uh, Is I No, give, well, I
0: want to know. I want to know about that clinical trial because the only one I know was 16 people in India that was paid for by the company that was that was in fact at the point in time you initially talked about this being a miracle. The only study that was out there was the one with 16 people in India that was written up by somebody who was being paid by the company that was producing it.
4: Well, this paper argued that there was no one paying for it, but I have the four papers, five papers actually, plus a series of basic science papers on it as well. But, but. Senator McCaskill, if I we can spend a lot of time arguing the merits of whether green coffee and extract is worth trying or not worth trying, uh, many of the things that we argue that you do with regard to your diet are likewise criticizable If I can just Get across the big message that I, I actually do personally believe in the in the items that I talk about in the show. I, I passionately study them. I recognize that oftentimes they don't have the scientific muster to present uh, as fact, but nevertheless, I would give my audience the advice I give my family all the time. And I've given my family these products, specifically the ones you mentioned. Then I uh, then I I'm comfortable with that part.
0: I mean, I've tried to really do a lot of research in preparation for this trial, and the scientific community is almost monolithic against you in terms of the efficacy of the three products that you call miracles. And when you call a product a miracle, and it's something you can buy, and it's something that gives people false hope, I just don't understand why you need to go there. Wow. She was taking care of biz.
1: We should have played the Taking Care of Biz segment intro, because she just devastated him. Right. Where she's talking about a study that involved 16 people in India that was funded the study was organized and funded by the company who creates green coffee bean extract that's right that evidence is is damning to say the very least
2: well and it's a problem that Dr Oz is a doctor and like she said in the beginning you were trained in science right and medicine and why are you you know admitting here that you Promote things that don't have the best scientific backing. Right, like he said that. What are you talking about? Right, that's well, he, what you should do.
1: They, he knows that they wouldn't pass scientific muster, or or be able to pass the FDA's rigorous, almost too rigorous, um, standards for proving what they do, what a, what a drug will do. Mm-hmm. And if the FDA want to prove it, because it doesn't meet it doesn't meet the the standard of of matching the claims, then what's the problem? There's a problem with that when you are screaming from the mountaintops to your millions of viewers about a product. So I don't want to beat this horse to death, but we do have um, four quick clips that we played on a previous episode talking about Dr. Oz, and I want to just refresh my audience's memory about what kind of charlatan Dr. Oz is, And the fact that he promotes Reiki, an energy medicine where you wave your hands over people. He has people do this while he's operating and has someone's heart open on the table.
4: So today I'm revealing my ultimate alternative medicine secrets. If you've got a medical problem you can't solve, you may find the answer in the next few minutes. Start by paying attention to this. It provides me a good segue into what I think may be ultimately the most important alternative medicine treatment of all. And we are embarking on this whole new uh, vista of opportunities. Uh, it, it broadens dramatically the spectrum of where we might be able to go in our bodies. And this is the area of energy medicine. And joining me today, today is Pamela Miles. Pamela has actually been to the operating room with me where we have done
1: Reiki. And you're a Reiki master. My, you know, my wife Lisa is Reiki master. So, right, he's saying that she's been in the operating room and he's a heart surgeon. So he's got someone's chest opened up on the table, their heart exposed, and he steps back from the body, from the person, the human being on the table who's having their their operation done. Their life is in his hands. He steps back from the table and allows some whack job to wave their hands over like a magic ceremony.
2: It's- Yikes. Yikes. That is not a good sitch. It's
1: appalling. Who gives this guy a, a, a license and privilege to practice in an actual credible hospital?
2: Well, I mean, he has to obviously be a good heart surgeon because he's performed successful heart surgeries. Sure. But it is a little troubling he's going to up- know that he puts investment in something like Reiki.
1: He's going off the
4: deep end. So when the kids get sick when I'm out of sorts, she actually comes by. I can't even tell when she's treating me. Sometimes she secretly treats me. She thinks I'm <laughs> in a bad mood and I see hands moving around, but I actually feel the heat. Um, and I, if you don't mind, maybe we can do some Reiki. And, certainly have she... you had Reiki therapy before? I have not. Okay, so once you try it, and as you're doing, if you don't mind explaining, Pamela, a little bit about Reiki.
0: Certainly. Reiki is a balancing practice, and so rather than addressing the headache or whatever else is the problem, What it does is it influences the person's overall system toward balance, and then as her system becomes more balanced, symptoms tend to fall away. Then over time, uh, for example, if if you get headaches, you know you may find that you get them less frequently.
4: Do you feel anything, Delita?
1: Oh yes, my headaches going
4: away. Your headaches going away. (laughs) Do you feel
1: any heat? Yes, because those are usually what I feel.
2: So the reason her headache is going away is is because
1: they're creating balance.
2: It's because she's on the Dr. Oz show <laughs> and she has cameras on her and right. Dr. Oz hovering hovering over her telling her, "Hey, is your is your headache going away? Is it working? Do you feel right. it?" Well, yes, Dr. Oz, and the camera and TV and all right. the millions of people watching me. Of course I feel it working. I'm
1: obviously a fan. I don't want to make you look like a jackass in front of everyone.
2: Right. And he, well he just admitted sometimes she's treating me without me even knowing. Yeah, of course she is because it's not a real thing. Nothing's happening.
1: The other thing is is that the woman who explained what reiki is, or reiki, or whatever, she she didn't say anything. She says, "Oh, it just it creates balance, and your your entire system needs. It, we're putting you back into balance." Mm. What what exactly does that mean?
2: I don't know. Explain
1: with science. Explain with empirical data exactly what that means. Anyway, and finally. Here are the three things I want you to remember from today's show. First off, try Reiki. This alternative medicine treatment can manipulate your energy and cure what ails you. Cure what ails you.
2: Oh, please.
1: So we'll we'll leave it at that. We just, any opportunity that I can get to bring to an audience's attention that Dr. Oz is, I believe, a charlatan.
2: Well, that anybody is. Anyone who is a problem that is being followed by... Millions of people, or however yeah. many, I mean, someone needs to to break that chain. I guess
1: for sure. Now, much to the chagrin of listener Burnt Reynolds,
2: <laughs> you know what? It's been a long time. It
1: has been a long time. We're gonna. I have two segments, two brief clips of of uh, the Reverend. Pat Robertson, can you call him a reverend? Really, I don't know. I mean, but here's another God one am. where a
2: lot of people watch him on the Seven Hundred Club and right. and feel that he is a valid source of advice well, for they, some reason.
1: They talk about in the Bible. They talk about, but it's talked about in the Bible to to touch not God's anointed, and it was about Ooh, about yeah, a little <laughs> about about Moses. Not you don't want to challenge the. The, the veracity or the authority mm. of God's anointed man. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, guys like Pat Robertson will hide under that umbrella of this weird authority that they have, like they're a real conduit to God. Right. Anyway, uh, recently a woman called in or uh, emailed into the show and had a problem with what her church is doing. Ugh, anyway.
0: Crystal writes, I've been in church All my life with my family we are not allowed to date the only ones in my church that are married already knew their partners before coming into church it is treated as a sin to show interest or have a mutual understanding in church with the opposite sex most of the people in the church are frustrated because we're getting older and no one is getting married we pray about the issue but it seems like it is bouncing back what should i do
3: you know those who are homosexual Uh, will die out because they don't reproduce. You know, you have to have uh, heterosexual sex to reproduce. Same thing with that church. It's doomed. It's going to die out because this is the most nonsensical thing I have heard in a long time. This is absurd.
2: (laughs) So where did they come from? Well, Where did the homosexuals come from? Well,
1: there's two things I have issue with here, obviously. Well, there's more than that. But the, the, the two main ones are, how does he get from this young lady writing in and saying, "Hey, it's unacceptable in my church for me to date a young man to know whether I want to to continue a relationship in marriage with him"? How do they get from that to gays? They don't they don't procreate, so they're gonna die out. But obviously, that's stupid because of the fact that heterosexuals have gay children.
2: <laughs> I know. How did they? How does he think they got here? And how does he think they keep on coming about? It's the stork,
1: Brittany. The uh, gay stork.
2: I, I'm so confused. I know. Why didn't she just ask him? She's sitting right next to him. How do you think they got here? They
1: must be paying those women who sit next to him and read the emails a good. Salary, because they never challenge that old freak.
2: I think I should surreptitiously go in there and apply for a job. Oh, yeah. And then, you know, act like I'm I'm all on board with all that nonsense. <laughs> and then once I'm there and we're live and I'm reading him a delicious question, I can just expose him.
1: Like his old balls Oh, no, no. <laughs> I don't think anybody wants to see no, his old balls. Not
2: like that, but expose him as an idiot.
1: Oh, that's different.
2: Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I should have been more specific. I am not interested in that at all.
1: What a moron. Anyway, th- the problem with Pat Robertson, I mean there's many, but one of the one of the main problems I have is that it's not always innocent shit that you can laugh about like this. Oftentimes It could lead to disastrous results where people are physically harmed
3: I'm 76 years old several years ago I made a covenant with God I asked him to be my physician I said I trust you Lord for all my physical needs whether I'm sick or healthy healed or afflicted I will never cease to praise you and when my life is ended I pray you'll receive me into your holy kingdom the problem is, every time I'm sick, my family pressures me to see a doctor. Was I foolish for making such a commitment? I know my loved ones are only concerned with my welfare. How can I make them understand? You know, <clears throat> there's some people who think that doctors are God, and they really aren't. And you've asked God to be your physician, so stick with it and say, Lord, I'm, I'm asking you for it. Uh, I, I see nothing wrong with taking medicine i'm all for doctors i'm so grateful for the incredible medicine said what and the technology we have available to us it's absolutely extraordinary and i don't want to diminish that one bit but you made a commitment to the (laughs) lord stick with it don't let your family influence you do what you feel like doing
2: that is criminal
3: it is criminal
2: that is, criminal. I really
1: believe he he should be brought up on charges.
2: That is unbelievable. I cannot believe
1: that he said that. It's 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 beyond it's beyond just a, a free speech issue or a freedom of religion issue. And where does this promise to God? Where does it end? What if what if what if I have kids, young kids, and I? I make a promise with God that he is going to be the healer of my family. What then?
2: Well, you go to jail. We've we've seen that happen. Not
1: always. Right now in Idaho, they're having a big problem with these weird, culty Christians who don't allow their kids to seek medical attention, and they're dying. And the state legislature is trying to back up their religious freedom, quote-unquote, via the law.
2: Well, most... I guess most faith-healing cases I've seen have gone the correct way where the parents are are
1: jailed. The family in Oregon wasn't jailed until I think the second or third kid died. Yeah. It's it's a precarious situation that the state, the government, finds itself in because everybody wants to tiptoe around religious rights, and in some cases I think that's correct. But in some where these people could be—this man could live to be 90— He could have 14 years more to live, and instead, he's likely to die if he sticks to this promise to his invisible God that he's never actually spoken to.
2: Well, and it's just unfortunate because I don't believe that Pat Robertson really believes what he's saying. I believe that he is malicious. Well, he
1: he clearly has some idea about it because he backtracked and said how much he respects medicine after he shit on doctors.
2: Right, and he said they're not God, but they save lives and right. they they know they have the tools and the knowledge to change outcomes and yes, to save lives absolutely and that's not god doing that that's that's doctors doing that so if this man is sick and a doctor can heal him that needs to be what happens he doesn't need to just die and pat robertson shouldn't just be advocating for his death i mean that's effectively what he's doing
1: yeah that's exactly what he's doing because the man is in, he's at in advanced age 76 in t- in 2014 is not necessarily a an advance. Oh my God, he's ready to die. I mean, we we have, because of modern medicine and science, having someone live to be 90 is not uncommon, right? I mean, Betty White is I think 92 or 93 years old, and she's still spry and together and funny and active and still working in TV. That's awesome. So. Bec- this man still has a lot of years ahead of him and they're being cut short if he if he wants to follow the advice of the terrible pat robertson all right off of pat robertson but we're gonna stick to the theme of religion uh recently god this is just <laughs> very very funny a city councilman in Springfield, Massachusetts, named Bud Williams. Bud. Bud Williams went to a menorah lighting ceremony. And he was asked to speak to give a few words. And he got up and he said, after whatever, whatever remarks, he wanted to add one thing to the audience of Jews who were lighting the menorah to celebrate the first day of Hanukkah. And what did he say, Brittany? What did he add to the, 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 the ceremony?
2: He said that Jesus is the reason for the season. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Wow.
2: At the menorah lighting for so, the beginning of Hanukkah. So
1: great. Mm-hmm. So he, he actually said when asked about it, I thought it added something to the service. It didn't take away. Williams said, who is not Jewish. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well his name's Bud, so
1: very weird. Yeah. Isn't that strange that
2: Well, I just imagine someone named Bud. Like, isn't the guy on um Family Vacation named Bud?
1: Uh, I don't I don't know. No. I I can't stand Chevy Chase. <laughs> so I don't know.
2: Some some character is named Bud. That is a famous character. That is just like a I think, the bellies hanging out of the shirt, like a gross oh, hillbilly yeah, kind of. That's so that's what the name Bud reminds that's me. That's the of.
1: imagery that gets invoked. Yeah, yeah, someone
2: who's not very conscious of of discriminating between what's appropriate and what is not.
1: Well, it's certain if you're going to a religious event, you've been invited to to speak. You don't. <laughs> all that's saying is. Hey, yeah, Jews, you got it wrong. Your Messiah came 2,000 years ago, and you guys ignored him, and, you know, you had him killed, so.
2: Right. (laughs) Well, he he should maybe learn about what their viewpoint is. Apparently, he doesn't know what their religious viewpoint is.
1: Do you think? He lives in Springfield, Massachusetts. It's not like he lives in some podunk town in Wyoming or Montana. He lives... In New England, it's progressive. It's an amalgam of different religions and, and cultures. It's, there's no excuse for this. And he's an elected official. <laughs> what a nut. Should we get into the Sony thing? Yeah. <laughs> we don't really have anything specific to talk about other than just kind of hashing through what's gone on.
2: Well, the most notable thing, I mean, I mean—I guess the most recent things, are that the FBI has found out that it, it was North Korea. They've traced the Sony hack back to North Korea. That's right. North Korea has denied yes. having involvement in the hack and said that they would join the inquiry to figure out who did it because they said the U.S. government is spreading groundless allegations. Right, of course. And now, the latest from North Korea is that they are threatening to attack the U.S. if Obama retaliates over the Sony hacking. Right. Because, of course, during Obama's press conference on this issue, or just his annual wrap-up conference. That's right. His annual, year
1: you're, you're in press conference. And
2: he discussed this issue. He said that he's going to be presented with options on how to respond. Good. And he will choose an option, and then he will respond. But I, I'm sure it's not going to be waging war.
1: Of course, so, it's not. Kim
2: Jong Un can calm down.
1: Well, listen. There's Donald Trump, and and North Korea have a lot in common. They love the spotlight. They love the publicity that this gets them. It's almost as if North Korea has a TV show that's getting ready to premiere, and they want to to get themselves in the news so everybody talks about the TV show.
2: Right. <laughs> It's true.
1: So really, Kim Jong-un and Donald Trump are the same person. <laughs> have they ever been seen in the same room together? I mean, really.
2: I don't think they have. Well, it's it's very possible that they're the same person. They both have terrible hair. <laughs> they
1: Wow. They both do have terrible hair. Mm-hmm. We are solving a mystery for the ages right now.
2: Yes, we are.
1: Wow. Yeah. Right here. You heard it here first, exclusively on I Doubt It With Dollamore. We believe that Donald Trump... And Kim Jong Un, (laughs) oh God, are the same person. Brought to you by Brittany Page. No, Jesse,
2: Jesse (laughs) Dollimore (laughs) believes that. Take note, Kim Jong Un. All Jesse D.
1: So anyway, uh, I don't know. I mean, one, I don't believe that Sony acted right by pulling the film, but I don't know that they really had a choice. If the three major um theater groups pulled out who what are they going to do are right if the, show it in my living room i mean that's not
2: <laughs> right if the theaters aren't going to show the movie i mean what right. what are they going to do
1: i really hope some online service like netflix or hulu or whatever that has the structure in place to show this movie to the masses we need to stand up because effectively kim jong-un by being able to cause Sony to not show this movie, he is, he, he, is, he is taking the power that even the President of the United States doesn't have to stifle someone's free speech.
2: Right, because he's throwing a fit.
1: Right. Well, if, if he's curtailing someone's free speech, the President of the United States can't even do that. We have... It's an inalienable right. It's a natural right that the government is there to protect. The government's not there to give us that right. It's there to protect our right to free speech. So how is it that uh, a, a draconian, totalitarian dictator is able to cause a movie? It just, ugh, there's so much wrong with this. It bothers me a lot. And I find myself in an awkward position defending possibly one of the worst movies ever made.
2: Right. That's the thing. I also I have no desire to see it, which no. is unfortunate. Did... Even this makes me not want to see it. I mean, I, I
1: I did have the thought. I was the opposite. I I had the thought that we should go see this just to stick our thumb into the eye of Donald, I mean, uh Kim Jong Un.
2: I would pay $2 to see this movie. Well, that's my maximum amount that I would pay.
1: For those of you who don't know, Britney has this thing where she'll see something and she'll immediately put a price on it. Mm-hmm. Like she'll see um a a nice greeting card with a fancy little owl and it's hand cut and it's like a crafty little card and she'll say i'd pay a dollar fifty for that and then you look at the card and it says six ninety nine she disgusted throws the card down because a dollar fifty is as high as she will go
2: yes and i (laughs) stick to my guns yep wow everyone Uh, should be more like me
1: yeah, uh, yeah. In that yep. regard. Mm-hmm.
2: In that regard. Yes. Because everyone then, should
1: be more like Britney.
2: Then we would be more conscientious about our funds, and that would be good.
1: So, what do you have to say about that? 657 464 7609. Not about Britney, <laughs> but about the Sony thing or anything that we've talked about up to this point. This has been a very action packed show, so I haven't said the phone number. So, I'll say it again 657 464 7609. You can leave a less than three-minute voicemail. You can also email us at idoubtit at Or, as always, you can record yourself on your smartphone and also email that to idoubtit at While you are emailing dollamore.com, you can go to dollamore.com. And up at the top right-hand corner of the website there on the front page, there's a link that says support the show. Inside of that link, or after you click it, and it goes to the next page, <laughs> there is an Amazon search bar. If you are looking to make last minute and I mean last minute Christmas gifts, you could do that there. If you're going to spend your money anyway at Amazon, it would go, it go, your money goes a long way toward helping support your favorite twice weekly show filled with delicious news news and ridiculous comment there's also a link to the patreon page which we only talk about once every month or so or at least we mention it probably more frequently but we don't go into detail so there's a link to that as well so if i was to ask you if you if i was to ask you in the united states what the fattest professions were i don't think that your answer would be correct oh really
2: i think it would be I think most people would be able to guess. Really? Yeah. Well,
1: why do you say that?
2: Well, I, I don't know. I just have a, an image in my head of this caricature of this profession. Hmm. And that's what I think of, especially... Well, first of all, I just want to say I want the listeners to guess right now, out loud or in your head while you're listening to this, if guess what you think.
1: If you're in the middle of your Monday morning commute, don't close your eyes But the rest of you, if you're sitting or if you have your your headphones in and you're at your desk or whatever, close your eyes and imagine what you think the fattest profession is. Just take a wild guess. Three, two, one. Open your eyes. Brittany, lay it on them.
2: Okay, so according to the Wall Street Journal analysis of data from the American Journal of Preventative Medicine, police officers firefighters and security guards have the highest rates of obesity of all the professions
1: now security guards i could see but firefighters are supposed to be
2: fit right that is the most surprising
1: one you think they're just languishing and they're being heroes <sighs> they're just they're already heroes so they might as well just slack off
2: i'm i'm not sure why they are obese but well, apparently it's
1: a joke because they're not heroes
2: Okay, we got that.
1: Well, not everybody knows my whole theory on the heroes. though. Oh, okay. I think we talked about this in the first 10 episodes, and here we are on number 83. Okay. I believe that the bar for hero is ridiculously low, and that we have... After 9-11, you had your NYPD heroes, your FDNY heroes, and then all of the subsequent troops that went overseas, they were automatically... Just the moniker of hero was leveled upon them. And I disagree with that. I think that it takes something special to be a hero. Just because you go doesn't mean you're a hero. Darren Wilson, the cop who shot and killed Michael Brown, is not a hero. He's a hillbilly. The The cop who strangled Eric Garner to death is not a hero. He's a turd. It takes something special to be a hero just putting the uniform on and this is coming from someone and don't do it who was a marine.
2: Jesse was a marine I everybody. Said not to do it. So he was a hero.
1: I wasn't a hero. I may have served with heroes. Anyway, it, so that's why I meet I'm teasing about the hero thing. So so security guards, f- firefighters and police officers are the most obese.
2: Right, 40.7% of police, firefighters, and security guards are obese. Wow. Other jobs with high obesity rates include clergy, engineers, (laughs) and truckers. On the other side of the obesity scale is a grouping of economists, scientists, and psychologists with an obesity rate of 14.2%. Other professions with a low obesity rate are athletes, actors, and reporters.
1: I could see look I could see truck drivers being obese. I could even see pastors being obese. Those are sedentary type of jobs. But being a firefighter is not sedentary. Being a cop, you're on your feet. You're, you know, it takes a lot of energy to jump on to a 6 foot 5, 350 pounds guy and choke him to death. It takes a lot of energy and it takes a lot out of a guy for several cops to beat with their flashlights a schizophrenic homeless man in Fullerton, California, and murder him and kill him. It takes a lot out of a guy.
2: Yeah. So I would just like to note that economists. She is
1: not liking this right now, and she is trying to move on as quickly. As she can.
2: (laughs) Well, you can say what you want, and then I can say what I want. Isn't that how this works? That's
1: how it works.
2: Economists, scientists, and psychologists have the lowest obesity rate. So I would just like to note, psychologists and scientists have the lowest obesity rates.
1: And for those of you who are just joining us as listeners to the show, Brittany is in grad school, (laughs) and she will soon be a psychologist. Mm Mm-hmm. And you are not obese.
2: I'm not. So I will contribute to that. So
1: maybe it's not the job that makes one obese. It's the type of person who is already going to be obese who is drawn to that type of job. Maybe.
2: That is interesting because, well, this is also interesting. In the lowest category as well, with 23.5% are janitors, maids, and landscapers. Now, you typically think of janitors as being... Maybe a little bit on the heavy side. No, I don't. Oh no. No.
1: Well, they're active. They're on their feet all that's day. That's true.
2: And then also cooks, bartenders, and food servers. Right. They're on the low end.
1: So even cooks, huh? Yeah. Because a lot of chefs are fatties.
2: Yeah. That's. Yeah.
1: I mean, fatties. I'm no, I'm no, no slim pickins, no, 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 no tiny little waif, and I like to cook. Yes. So that is true. Anyway, well, that's very interesting. I'm, uh, I'm curious what the audience thinks about that. Here's some other interesting details that just came out. Pew Research did some some uh, some study. They gathered some data. They did some polling. They found out something that was very, uh, maybe not concerning, but surprising to me about the number of Americans who agree with the the measures and the links to which the government went relative to torture, and the the details that were released in that uh, the. the The torture report.
2: Right. So 51% of Americans say that the methods used during CIA's interrogation were justified. Wow. 51%. While 29% say it was not justified, and 20% don't know. And then.
1: That's very odd to me that they even gave an I don't know, and people still answered 51% affirmative that they agreed. Because that means they know what was in the report, they know that they were feeding people anally, and they were still okay with it.
2: Well, it's don't know slash do not express an opinion. They gave mm. them an option to not and express an opinion. So is that what you mean that yeah. that given the option of justified, not justified, not going to express an opinion so, so that you, you think more people should choose that?
1: You're saying that some of the people who some of that 51% possibly don't know everything that's in the report.
2: No, no,
1: because that's what I'm getting at. Oh,
2: okay, yeah, I wasn't understanding your
0: point.
1: Yeah, because it's it. That's weird to me that if those if that 51 percent that answered yes, we agree that it was right. If they really know everything that's in there, that's uh that's problematic for me. That my fellow Americans think it's okay to liquefy food and have it shoved into someone's beehole. Okay. Which is
2: well, this might help you with that. Okay. Because 56% believe that it provided intelligence that prevented terrorist attacks. So 51% believe it was justified, and then 56% believe it provided intelligence that pre- prevented a terrorist attack. Okay. So they're backing up, believing it's justified, with their belief that it prevented terrorist attacks, just like Dick Cheney said on our, our last couple episodes. Right.
1: I, I I see that. I do see that, but- my, my personal opinion on this, and we've covered it, I'm not, not going to go into too, too great a detail, but there's other ways to get details than liquefying hummus and pine nuts and shoving it rectally into someone. Just water boredom extra. You know what I mean? I don't believe that waterboarding is necessarily torture. So there's other ways that are still considered kind of terrible by many To get the information, you don't have to start messing around with someone and dancing on that rape line. You don't have to go that far. And it just, it bothers me that if these people really know all of the things they did, that they're still in agreement with it. Because I don't believe we live amongst that many Dick Cheney's.
2: So this research was conducted with 1,001 adults. And they also asked them what they are following very closely in the news to kind of gauge which oh, right. which latest happenings in the news that people care about most, and 35% said that they are following the protests in response to police-related violence very closely, and the CIA torture report was down at 23%. So people care more about the police protesting right. than the CIA interrogation program.
1: So maybe they aren't as educated about what was in it, than they should be. Yeah, I mean I there mean, wasn't possible. a
2: there wasn't a barometer to ask sure. how educated they were on well, the topic. I, listen,
1: I'm just trying to 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 rationalize in my own brain how that many people can hold that wild, in my opinion, that wild an opinion. That's it's shocking to me.
2: So more men say it's justified than women. Fifty seven percent of men say it's justified, while forty six percent of women say it's justified. The most likely race to say that it is justified are whites by 57%, blacks are 42%, and Hispanics are 43%. The most common age range to say that it is justified is 50, 50 <laughs> to 65 years old. Yeah. And then the political affiliation is Republican,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and then followed by Independent, and Democrats in last. Yeah. And following the news very closely, 59% say it's justified. And then those who said they follow it less closely, it was 49% justified.
1: Very weird to me. Very weird. Wow. All right. Well, I think we're going to cut it short. We've got a couple other things on the slate, but we'll leave it. I did want to say this, that I got an email this week from iTunes telling me that there might be a delay in the posting of of all podcasts not just ours and i wanted to make you guys aware of that now we are going to do a show on christmas eve that'll post on christmas and we are going to do a show that that posts on new year's eve for new year's day but i didn't i I just want to let you know if you don't see it it's not because we're we're being slackers and didn't let you know it's because itunes (laughs) isn't getting their shit together and it's not us so So we'll just leave it there, and we'll we'll hit those next time. We, as always, we very much appreciate you listening. You guys mean the world to us. If it wasn't for you dedicating your time to listening to us twice a week, we wouldn't be doing this, or we'd be doing it, and I'd be the only one listening because Brittany isn't listening to this. So,
2: (laughs) wait, what? (laughs) Did you? Was something said?
1: Right. Yeah, something was said. So listen, we love you. We appreciate you. Until next time, for Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollimore, and this has been I Doubt It.